Welcome to the Policy and Planner English Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Laban. And today, we're continuing our conversation about food access as part of healthcare, moving away from the process of screening for food insecurity to what happens next with a care coordination team. This is the touchy-feely one. There are some people, among them my colleague Kailana. Hi, I'm Kailana Blindo. I'm the project coordinator here at Bi-State. Who believe that not everybody has the personality required to be an effective care coordinator. I don't want to say heart to heart because that makes it not professional. One could suggest that Kailana has this type of personality, and I do not. I just, I'm, I really want to get you good stuff. I really want to help, help you get good material. Yeah, definitely one of us with the helpful personality. And it's no joke. We heard Christina Quinlan discuss this in an earlier episode, and it's practically in the job description. Care coordinators are approachable, knowledgeable, and provide frequent, reliable follow-through for patients between provider visits. A care coordinator is going to coordinate all elements of what will help a patient achieve and maintain good health. Whether that's providing follow-up across a mix of different medical providers for someone who needs a series of referrals, or if it's connecting the medical side with community supports, like for food access. Here's Kailana's definition. Care coordination provides patient-centered, basic case management and teaching for patients with one or more chronic conditions, health, and or social health needs. It efficiently connects patients with support services as needed, both internally and externally. Not every practice has a care coordination team, but all Vermont's FQHCs do, and is provided at no charge to the patient. This coordination is considered an important part of value-based health care. A frequently cited statistic is that medical care only determines about 10 to 20% of our health. The rest is due to a range of factors, like ties to community, living situation, lifestyle, and other contributors. Think about it from the medical intervention side. You can prescribe treatments, but if a patient can't afford their medication or doesn't have transportation to follow through on a referral, then the treatment won't work. Recognizing this, we sometimes hear about care coordination as part of staff at a health center working at what's called top of license. That means that people who are specially licensed to do particular types of work concentrate their hours on that work, and care coordinators can fill in supportive roles, like connecting to community food resources. Sometimes a coordinator's job combines both the ability to make those connections and licensed or specially trained work, sometimes clinical training, like an RN, and sometimes a different skill set, like financial advising. Exactly how this gets set up on a team may change between practices. At some practices, care coordination is a singular role, and there might be multiple staff members with that title within that organization. For example, one nurse care coordinator per practice site. And at, this, at a larger organization, there may be other support staff like the community resource coordinators or community connections that are able to focus more on the social determinants and barriers to health. And um, the, care, the nurse care coordinators may focus more on the, the health aspects of care coordination, such as diabetes or hypertension counseling. At other FQHCs, such as the FQHC I worked for, care coordination responsibilities are spread out among several team members, and those staff contribute within their scope of practice. So, for example, when I was a care coordinator, I was also a certified application counselor with Vermont Health Connect. I was an outreach and enrollment specialist. I worked a little bit with marketing and fundraising. All of those roles worked together, and I worked with other team staff. 
So I worked with IT, front desk, nursing staff, providers, and dentists, and all of us working together were able to make care coordination at that FQHC successful. Let's see how this plays out on the ground. I am Lori Summers. I'm the Community Resource Coordinator at Northern Counties Healthcare for the St. Johnsbury and Danville offices. As Community Resource Coordinator, I help with all things social determinants of health. Lori, let me say, is great at explaining her work, which shouldn't be a surprise since explaining things in healthcare is literally her job. Here she is walking me through what happens after a patient shares with their provider that they have a concern about food security. So if they're here in the building and I am here and available, I'll often meet with them then. I'll introduce myself, talk a little bit about what their needs are, and try to get them some immediate sort of um, relief, whether it's giving them the brochure of an updated food pantries and invite them to come back. We'll give them all the ways they can do like three squares online if they don't have it. But if they're struggling and don't feel comfortable filling out applications, we'll ask them to come back at a convenient time if now doesn't work out. And then we'll kind of assess what's going on. Where can we help you find either room in your budget for things or how can we apply for three squares, snaps, give you lists of the commodities. What are the barriers for you to connect to those programs? Um, Sometimes they have a really urgent immediate need and we'll help them contact a local food pantry. And sometimes we have food available here we'll give them. So we really do try to meet them immediately if necessary and bring them back to do more long-term planning. Now let's pause on this urgent need portion. It's the first step towards helping patients find sustainable solutions. And maybe someone really does just need a food box right now, and after that, it will be fine. Maybe the solution is more involved. Regardless, most of us have a desire to minimize the number of times we ask for help. That creates an additional challenge for care coordination. You don't know how many times a patient is going to be willing to ask for help, but you know it's finite. So sending them on to ask at another place for food assistance is a little like using up timeouts in sports, something to be done only when it's necessary or strategic. I don't know a lot about sports that have timeouts in the rule book. The process is sometimes hard because patients will say, oh, I've been to that food pantry. I can't go back a second time. Or they feel like they're being judged if they go back a second time. So we have been really trying to brainstorm How can we help with more of the emergency need? That one time, I'm just down to near the end of the month, I had a flat tire, had an unexpected expense, now what do I do? I think we're really lucky we have a great group of staff here and we do some internal fundraising and create a small little bookshelf that we have in our entryway of several of our clinics and um, through the staff fundraising, we've been stocking it so that people could come in and you know get soup and cereal, something very, very basic. We've been trying to reach out to bigger programs to be able to have some like grocery bags filled with emergency food, but there's a lot of documentation that has to go from us and reporting and patient name, date of birth, address, that be- creates another barrier. That sounds reasonable. Someone says they have a food concern that's interfering with their health. You want to be able to say, 
no problem. Here are some groceries to help out right now, and let's sit down to come up with a longer-term solution. You do not want to say, food security. Well, here's a stack of 20 forms and 6 referrals. Work your way through that, and then maybe I can do something for you. And yeah, you may eventually get to those 20 forms and 6 referrals, but we're trying not to have that be the very first step in the care coordinator relationship. Yeah, I've called different places and said like, hey, you get USDA food. Can we just like sort of, if you're not giving it all out, can we get some of that food that doesn't expire? Like, you know, cereals and breads and juices and things that last. And we can just have like six bags to give out, but we have to report who they need us to report. And then it becomes a barrier to take to get them to consent that we can report that information to someone else and sort of um, we just haven't found a way to get around that so staff have been fortunately doing my super monday where they can get a bowl of soup and make a donation and then we go and buy it but it seems like there should be another way you know we can set up some more of these long-term help like doing the three squares applications but when someone comes in with that need and they're really struggling with pride and getting them to feel okay going to a food bank or helping them is sometimes a barrier that they can't get over. And how do we help those people? And how do we get food into our organizations to help them without making them sit down and do 21 reportable points of their life because now they're just further shamed and that those are the people that really have my heart and I'm trying to find a way to make that short term happen. So not an easy fix. Even when it goes well and there's a quick solution to an urgent need, then a connection to programs that offer more support, a care coordinator still has to check in to see if the problem is actually being solved. My dentist does not hand me floss, tell me how to use it, then assume my teeth will be perfect from then on. Oh no, she wants me back in her chair in six months. Physical therapists, same thing. In fact, I can't think of any medical professional who just takes my word for it that everything is hunky-dory. Food security is also part of healthcare, and your healthcare practice will want to know whether the approach they've tried is working or if more needs to be done. That is probably the hardest part because once the patient has their immediate need met, that is an obstacle for them because it's almost like they don't want you to know that they continue to struggle with food. So many of our people will say, I'm fine, I don't need anything, or I am connected to three squares. So if I call them or they call me and say, I made that, I'm done, it doesn't often mean they really are meeting their needs, but they've done something and they really don't wanna talk about it anymore. Here's another question then. We're assuming that it takes more than one stop to solve the issue of food insecurity. But how do we know that? Because most of the time, if a patient screens positive for food insecurity at a health checkup, food isn't the only problem. It's almost inevitably many different concerns caught up in that one positive result. This is why, back in the episodes on screening for hunger, some organizations say start with just two hunger vital sign questions because we know that those two questions open the door to talking about a lot of things that go beyond food. Here's Kailana. So when I was a care coordinator, I would get those referrals for one piece where someone said they were told the provider they were struggling with food and then come to find out upon further discussion, they were also struggling with their housing and their heat 
or their car broke down and now they, it, they're struggling to get to work or they're sleeping on their friend's couch. So being able to connect them, even if they've only come in for one thing, having a conversation with folks in a place where they feel comfortable and safe to share what they're, they're going through. Often these additional barriers involve transportation. Just listen to how it comes up naturally when Lori gives me this list of community partners that she works with for food access. We work a lot, especially when it's with food, with either NECA or Faith in Action, and we'll put patients in touch with them. We'll often call for them and make, make those arrangements for pickup if transportation is a barrier, oftentimes um, with the patient's permission, I will drive to NECA, pick up the emergency box of food and deliver it. Faith in Action and Veggie Van Gogh. I have been a volunteer of Veggie Van Gogh for a couple of years, so that's been wonderful. I have a running list of patients who I know really struggle with transportation and need healthy food, so I will pick up extra bags there and deliver them to their homes. Um, we've connected people with some of the 211, the food delivery programs that are kind of pop-up sites. We've helped people register for those, find transportation. Untangling these interlock concerns is a process. And you can see how we can begin to make everything more difficult with the natural human tendency to problem hop. It's like paying off your debt with different credit cards, switching from one slightly less bad interest rate to another. Similarly, we can get in a cycle of going for assistance in multiple places, none of them solving the underlying problem, but each pushing it a bit down the road, until you run out of road. Care coordinators can look at the whole picture and help get everyone on the track to a better outcome. And they do this with a lot of help. The theme is connecting to many resources. Even though this episode looked narrowly at one position inside a practice, that's because it's a prelude with more to come. We'll look at how the relationships with other community resources are built and how patients connect to the whole ecosystem of supports within their communities. Lori and Kailana will have to forgive me that I left community partnership details for future discussions. We'll be sure to get to them in our next episodes of the Policy in Plainer English podcast.